Welcome to the Kairos Community Podcast. Join us as we join Jesus in His movement to renew all things. Anybody listening to this after it's being made, uh, Cody just finished reading first, oh, sorry, Luke 1, um, 5 through 79, which was a huge chunk of text. Um, but it's a really, really good uh string of stories that are being woven together um, in the Advent story. And so um, if you're listening to this, I would suggest going and reading through that so that um, you can have a better understanding of what we're talking about. Um, Well, uh, so today we were going to talk about um, the fact that that whole passage, um, I thought instead of having us read certain snippets of it, I just thought it's such a um, cohesive story that really weaves together so much in like just one chapter. Um, So I thought it would be much more fruitful if we were all listening in and can pick out the things that stand out to us a lot in that whole chapter. Um, But some of the things to note are how uh, Mary and Zechariah, they both sing a song of praise after these things happen. And and it says that they're both full of the Holy spirit and um, going more into that this weekend has been really interesting. Um, We had a really good discussion yesterday about all of these things having to do with um, this first chapter. Um, But one little, uh, I guess one, um, One theme, if you can call it that, in that first chapter is how Mary and Zechariah respond to God in their situation. Um, If you look at how each of them respond in these situations and how their, their immediate situation is not all that wonderful. So Mary is told that she's going to bear the son of God, which sounds like an incredible, amazing thing, right? But in that, she's going to endure suffering. Um, She is going to be thought of as, I don't know, a sinner, (laughs) to say it lightly. Um, People are going to look at her as if she is breaking God's law because she got pregnant before she was married. Um, Even her own to-be husband, Joseph, was probably thinking the same thing. In fact, it says that he was going to divorce her quietly, uh, which is a pretty honorable thing to do. Um, But he didn't have to do that. He could have sent her to be judged by people and stoned. Right back then, it was really, really awful judgment for anyone who got pregnant uh, before they were married. And even today, we carry those things on in our community, which is unfortunate, um, the kinds of judgments that people put on others uh, for the things that they do. Zechariah, on the other hand, he was a priest. He was this um, high up guy in the church, right? Maybe not the highest, but he's definitely higher than the common people in terms of uh, being close to God or, or knowing him, right? And so... Zechariah has this encounter with God as well, just like Mary did. 
but Zechariah's response is a little bit different. Um, he's he's questioning God and and not believing. What's pretty interesting about this is Mary yeah. also asks, "How am I to know?" Yeah. Like she says something along those lines. That's like, "How am I to know that you know this is going to happen?" Because I am a virgin. How will this be since I am a virgin? She says. Um, and it's not so different in what Zechariah asks. Yeah, it's true. But what's interesting is that God looks at the heart, right? So it's only for him to judge. And apparently he judges Mary as favored and blessed. Um, and he, he judges Zechariah as questioning and not believing. And so then ends up punishing Zechariah in a form um, by keeping him silent for, gosh, was it from yeah, time was, of yeah, conception <laughs> or even before that until after the baby is born, eight days after the baby is born. And so it's probably like 10 months or so that uh, Zechariah has to be silent and he can't say a word, which must have been infuriating. Looking at, um, let me see, I'm scrolling through my notes here. When I was studying these uh, this morning, something that I was, I was finding in Mary's song that I, that stood out to me is the way that she is talking about God lifts up nations and brings them down and, and God makes the proud fall and brings up the humble, right? Have you guys heard that kind of stuff in the Bible before? <laughs> in a lot of places, right? Like all a ton of the Psalms say very similar things. So I went on a search looking for a Psalm that was similar. I didn't come up with anything. However, in my Bible, it references uh, 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. And um, this happens to yeah. be Hannah's song. Yeah. If you guys remember who Hannah is in the Bible, she was a woman who was barren. And she went to God and begged God for a son. God answered her and she sang God a song of praise, or maybe it's not a song. It says, Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. In this case, horn symbolizes strength. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There's no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry hunger no more. She who was barren has borne seven children and she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princess, princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. 
Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. It is interesting to see the parallels um, between Mary's song and Hannah's prayer. Um, in my Bible, it was specifically referencing her prayer when it has the Magnificat, which is Mary's song. Um, there are certain phrases that she says that are like complete echoes of Hannah's prayer. And if you guys uh, remember, Hannah has Samuel. That's who her son is. And Samuel is a prophet. Um, and he, apparently he's the last or judge he's the judge and it, it says in my bible that he's like the kind of the person that comes right before they start having kings in the old testament before that he anoints um saul and they start having a king in israel and um let me see this So um, while I was looking at this stuff, uh, I was also looking into Zechariah's song. And Zechariah's song also echoes Hannah's prayer. Um, he says phrases in there that are so similar to what Hannah says and even uh, quotes some lines that had to have been from her prayer. Um, remember, Zechariah is probably a very educated uh, person in their the church back then and um he probably knew some of this stuff by heart i'm guessing um he says he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant david and what does horn mean strength um in mary's prayer she also mentions a horn and it's referencing a strong king meaning jesus What's uh, what's very interesting to me, though, that stood out is that Zechariah, he quotes from Hannah's prayer, but um, or, or says extremely similar things to her prayer. And in her prayer, she says, do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance for the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. Can you imagine this is almost like the first thing that comes out of your mouth after being silent for 10 months. Can you imagine if he was ruminating on this specific verse about God silencing the proud? That's really good. I'm sure those things were standing out to him um, in his time of silence. Now, there's a lot in this story, so I do want to just focus in on a few different things here. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to look through my notes here and make sure I didn't miss anything, but there's a theme of misfortune here. Mary has to go through a lot of suffering in the beginning, at least. Uh, well, and the, the end of Jesus's life as well, but she has to go through a lot of suffering in this whole ordeal. She's been given a great gift 
to be able to raise the son of God. That was Zaylee, sorry. And she rejoices over it and she responds with, may this be done. Um, Zechariah is also really blessed to be able to raise John the Baptist, um, but it's a huge also, you know, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, responsibility. Responsibility, yeah. It's a huge responsibility, but it's also like an amazing gift to be able to do these things. Um, now, Zechariah, he makes choices that end up with him having to be silent for 10 months and endure that kind of suffering, if you will. Mary makes no choice of her own other than to follow God, and she still has to endure suffering. She still has to deal with um, people thinking that she is, you know, awful for what she's done. Um, she didn't do anything wrong necessarily, but people are judging her for this. Uh, there's a huge amount of pressure on her um, to conform to the way that her people act. And she didn't choose that, but life led her there, right? God led her there, and that's where she's at. And so both of these people have to endure suffering and they both have to make choices out of this. But one of them happened to come from their own choice, Zechariah's choice, and then the other came just from circumstances, right? It's, and both of them can be suffering. Now, uh, so the suffering we experience maybe from our own choice or not, um, but through all of that, regardless of whether we made those choices and we're experiencing the consequences, or if this is just the life that we've been dealt and things happen to happen to us, God still offers redemption for both of them and for anybody, whether we made choices to make our life harder or choices were made for us. Um, we can't escape suffering in this lifetime and we're all going to experience it no matter what at some level. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can do everything right and we still get unfortunate in circumstances and we still have suffering happen to us like Mary. Or sometimes we make our own choices and those things happen. But how did Mary respond to the circumstances around her? There's a lot of things that we can learn from her response and also from Zechariah's response. Um, so if suffering is going to happen to us, what can we do about that? Are we going to do what Zechariah did and uh, possibly make more choices that lead us into more mistakes? Or are we going to do what Mary said or Mary did um, and embrace it and see where it takes us? Um, I wanted to ask you guys some questions kind of in the middle of this. Have you guys had what are some, so just think about it for in your head for now. Um, what are some misfortunes you've had in your life? Have you ever had misfortunes happen to you that were circumstantial? or caused by your own actions. What was your reaction? How should we react based on examples from the Bible? 
And then um, I wanted to ask you guys, and you guys can answer this in here real quick. I'm sorry, I just got out of my outline, sorry. What were some examples of people in the Bible that had misfortune come to them and how did they respond and how did it go for them? Can you guys think of examples in the Bible of people that reacted to misfortune? Joseph, just one that comes to mind where his brothers like throw him in a pit and sell him off to slavery. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of details that aren't really fleshed out because it's not writ written like a novel, you know, like how we read stuff where we go into people's thoughts and inner monologues and stuff like that. But right. he just seems to like excel at whatever it is he's doing and just kind of keep keep doing it you know like yeah well, i'm working for potiphar now and he just he clearly does it so well that potiphar is like i'm gonna make you head of the household you yeah know? And so uh and you know he, that that kind of theme keeps going on with him until he's you know second in command under pharaoh and mm -hmm. such so um yeah i mean that was definitely a misfortune and he just kind of embraces it yeah yeah the classic example is job Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, who had all kinds of misfortune. Even his wife said to him, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and yet he trusted. And, uh, yeah. you know, each one of us has gone through various life experiences and experienced all kinds of anxieties. And the question is, do we trust God in our anxieties and embrace, like you were saying, Heather, the situation, good, bad, or indifferent, um, and push through it, you know, but yeah, Job is a, a classic example. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I might say, um, all slash Saul, you know, um, he had to go through quite a bit even to be trusted by the disciples, right? Because he, he at first would have, you know, killed Christians, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. These are all perfect and, examples. Yeah, and then, but then prior to that, as Saul, of course, he got, he, Jesus or God blinded him. Mm -hmm. And then later he becomes a Christian, right? But then it's like, oh, and then I think he even gets killed off, right? So it's like he has a lot of... Somehow he manages to remain positive. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah, that was actually uh, one of the examples I was going to bring up. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, yeah, he he's definitely somebody who had to endure suffering and misfortune through many, many different things. And I mean, what keeps him going? What keeps any of these people going is what... John was saying is, is trusting that God is leading your circumstance, whether you're happy about it or not. Right. Um, and whether, and even in your own mistakes that you might make to lead to a situation like that, God still offers redemption. Um, he still offers a, a path to come back to um, 
to his freedom and to still experience that deep joy that he's offered all along. Um, one of one phrase that has stood out to me for a long time uh, was introduced to me uh, by Bob Hyatt when we had a, was it a learning community or something like that up here years ago um, called making your wounds sacred. Mm, Um, That phrase simply to make your wounds sacred is to take the hurts and the misfortunes of life and to turn them over to God in order to, for him to make something good out of it. Um, Ah, But to do ah, that, ah, ah. you have to trust in him, right? Mm -hmm. We're wounded healers. Did did you hear that? Can you say it again? Sorry, Zaley's screaming. Sure. Uh, Henry Nowen puts it like we're wounded healers and that we embrace the wounds that we have in our life, believe that God is always at work and he's in work in our lives and so that we can use the pain that's we've experienced and be able to share that the comfort that God has given us with somebody else. It's second Corinthians chapter one. Um, and so, you know, if we take the position that we're wounded healers, um, we can, uh, dispense grace upon folks, no matter what their life circumstances. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a great uh, quote to go by. And I'm glad you brought that scripture up. That's really good. Um, exactly. So to to allow our wounds to become sacred is to allow God into those hurt places of our lives and the places that drive us crazy and the misfortunate places of our lives um, and allow God to do something from that. By But the only way that we can do that is to trust that God is allowing these circumstances and choosing to follow him into it. Um, obviously, we all have choices to make. We all have to decide what path we're going to go down. But trusting in God, if we're in a situation that we don't want to be in, trusting that he's going to make something out of it can make all the difference. Um, let's see, what else do I have on here? Did anybody have anything else to mention while I look at my notes? <laughs> I want to know if agrees with my chat. <laughs> Wait, I want to know if anybody agrees with my chat, because I put something in the oh, chat. I did not see that. If God silenced Mary, it'd be like adding insult to injury, because then people would absolutely think she was punished. Yeah, man. That would be pretty awful. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, like maybe that's one reason that, that God chose not to silence her, although it's not like she didn't believe or something, but just, you know, but just like that, that would definitely like, she's already going to suffer enough. You don't need to, people to think she's been punished by God too. Well, there, what I was trying to get at in that, the fact that she asks, um, how will this happen? Because I'm a virgin. She phrases it in a slightly different way. Um, but my point about that is 
right? Mary and Zechariah both ask a question of like, how is this going to happen, basically? Um, and in Hannah's prayer, it says, um, let's see. Okay, so it says, do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance for the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. And to me, that just speaks about how God knows the heart. And so Mary, I, I mean, what, I, what I'm picturing is Mary's asking this question more in terms of logistics, right? How can this happen when I'm a virgin? Whereas Zechariah is asking it more in disbelief. And the, the reason we know that is because the angel who appears to him says, you're going to be silenced for your disbelief. But the angel in response to Mary is saying, like, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He starts explaining it. He doesn't, like, <laughs> chastise her for disbelief at all. So in my mind, that tells me that Mary was actually believing and Zechariah just wasn't. Okay, so basically I missed the point. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I, I didn't explain it well enough. I, uh, I'm not good at preaching. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not as experienced as some other people. So uh, it's totally cool. Asking questions is why we're on here. Um, was there anything else that stood out to you guys about these stories in terms of getting through circumstances and knowing that even though we can't escape suffering, that we can turn it into something beautiful if we choose to seek God in it. Um, do you guys see anything else in these scriptures that might indicate that? <laughs> if not, that's okay. Oh, Haley's back. <laughs> All right. Well, um, One thing I did want to end on, uh, I know this is really short, but I was hoping we could uh, have more of a discussion type situation without distractions. Um, is that God's redemption of our lives isn't like a, uh, it's not like a formulaic thing. So like, even though we are going through something or suffering in something and enduring something, it doesn't mean we have to be like all smiles and cheery about it either. It's not like I just follow this rule and you'll get this result. Um, we, we have emotions and we, we get upset. And I'm sure there were moments in Mary's pregnancy and her whole situation where she probably broke down and cried quite a bit. People like to think about like, oh, Mary, like, you know, she's this amazing person, which she probably was. And like, you just don't imagine her as like a real human being who has real feelings. But like going through pregnancy is hard. And I can't imagine how much harder it would have been back then. Um, people like we were singing the song Away in a Manger. I was trying to keep, teach it to the kids this week. And there's a line in there that says like, the baby awakes no crying he makes. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Like people would always like talk about Jesus, like the baby Jesus, like he's, he's just perfect. And he probably never even did anything bad at all. And it's like, he's a human though. Like, <laughs> well, 
So anybody know that he didn't make any sound? Were they there? Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the writers of the song, were they there to witness that? I don't think so. But um, just knowing that taking off this like magical filter we often put on people in the Bible can be really helpful because it allows us to feel like we can be imperfect and still follow him. We can break down and cry. We can get mad and rage. Um, but God still works through our circumstances and still works through our suffering and our anger and our emotions and our sadness and all of the range of things that comes with being a human. And he doesn't get mad at us for it. Um, the scripture that's repeated over and over in the Old Testament and the New is God is slow to anger, abounding in love and uh, what is it? Loyal faithfulness. God is slow to anger. And it, it almost sounds contrary to the way that we've been taught about God. But over and over, people make outbursts and mistakes and all kinds of things. And God redeems them throughout every story in the Bible, whether it was their choices or whether it was just life happening to them. Well, real quick, pertaining to your last question, I, I did have something. I just uh, yeah. was trying to remember where, where it was. Um, but the circumstantial... Um, uh, suffering? The suffering from Elizabeth, like thinking, mm -hmm. well, you know, they weren't able to conceive. She's very old, um, or they're both old. And then uh, later on, in uh, um, after she did conceive, um, it said that after that his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion, mm. the Lord had. Uh, she says, "The Lord has done this for me. In these days, He has shown His favor and taken away my disgrace among the people." So is that? Yeah the judgment that she felt like she, she felt disgrace. Um, yeah. Like the, the realness of the feelings that we have, like whether, you know, it wasn't something she chose. She, she chose to be barren or not to be able to conceive, but, and, yeah. you know, um, even if they are choices we make or they're circumstantial. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it seems like you can't tell me that Jesus didn't, you know, like you're saying he was, he was a kid. Yeah. You can't tell me he didn't like at one point, like talk back to his mom or something. You know what I mean? Like he was fully aware and human, just like we are. Um, he had human feelings. Elizabeth had human feelings and those feelings were hurt for not, you know, not being able to conceive a child. And right. Something totally out of her control. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good example to bring up, actually, because, uh, I mean, there was probably a belief back then that if you couldn't bear children, then God is like cursed you for some reason, right? You're suffering because of your own choices right there, which she wasn't. <laughs> um, I think that's still a thing even now. Yeah. I think if a woman can't conceive, there's something wrong with her. What did you do wrong? You know, yeah. so or you're less, less of a woman or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I can't grow a full beard. And I feel like less of a man. So. <laughs> yeah, that's totally the same thing, Cody. <laughs> totally the same. I feel, I feel the pain. You know? <laughs> I understand. It's a suffering. <laughs> you must live with it. Poor guy. You to deserve this. <laughs> I did have a thought. Now yeah. that she's quiet, um, I don't know if because I may I may have missed some, so maybe some of this was already said. But um, I just kind of almost you know reading between the lines of the story and kind of putting in some context and really thinking about the context that when uh, John the Baptist you know comes on the scene, he's calling out like Pharisees and religious leaders quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, of being hypocrites and, and, you know, I mean, he, he's, he is vocal about it. He, he calls out everybody. And his dad was a priest that was actually, you know, one that was serving the temple and um, was the one that, you know, chosen to go into that Holy of Holies and do the incense and such. And it's like he, his, his dad, John the Baptist's dad was essentially uh, cut from the same cloth of the people that John the Baptist spent like his career calling out. Mm. And it just, it feels like a, a story of this redemption that we don't get to see a lot of, of Zechariah after, after his, he sings his song, his, his role is done in the Bible, but you know, he had a hand in raising John the Baptist. And I just wonder if, um, you know, experiencing what, you know, what God did with him, that 10 months or so of silence mm -hmm. and probably like introspective prayer, like, why didn't I believe there's an angel before me? And yeah. I doubted, I'm not going to doubt. I'm going to, and, and, and I, I don't know. It just, it kind of like, he became the man who raised John the Baptist. Yeah. And it, it just feels like a redemptive story and, and kind of similarly with, uh, with Joseph, like Joseph's story of wanting to divorce Mary quietly and stuff. He's more of the, the main character in the, in the Matthew, uh, narrative of the, uh, of the Christmas story, but you know, it's kind of a similar thing. Joseph was going to divorce Mary quietly. Joseph didn't believe um that this was going to be this miraculous thing it's like i'm engaged to be married to you and now you're pregnant and it wasn't me yeah yeah but i'm not going to publicly shame you but but he still he was going to he was still going to do that and um his story got changed his the path that he was thinking he was going to do got totally changed um and became the man that raised jesus yeah you know and so the the the, the story of these two dads both started from a place of, of some doubt and disbelief and became fathers of men who were world changers, yeah. you know, major game changers that God did amazing things through. And part of me just kind of feels like I make mistakes. There's plenty of moments I don't believe. Um, God's still going to work with me. I've still experienced his grace and his redemption that he gives. And maybe I'm not going to be the next John the Baptist. And I don't know if any of my kids are going to be, but, but there's things that he's going to do through me and with me, if I'm willing, that we may never see the fruit of, 
Yeah. Like Zechariah was an old man. I don't think he was alive when John the Baptist starts doing his stuff. We never see Joseph when Jesus starts doing his public ministry. These guys never got to see in, with their earthly eyes the fruit of that uh, of that redemptive story, becoming these dads, doing mm-hmm. these things of raising these men and never actually seeing the amazing thing that their sons grew to do. It's interesting. Yeah. That's really good, Cody. You know, I and I didn't know it. Sorry. I was going to say that, that that's really good because a lot of times we read the scripture like a Hallmark greeting card with that same cadence and we miss the humanity mm. of, of the characters that are in the scripture. And, um, and, and we don't read between the lines of what's, what's going on there. And, uh, you know, what you really shared was, a, was, was powerful and um yeah good stuff thanks so i don't know what question asked so i was away for a bit it's all right no no nobody said that oh cool was somebody gonna say something else i was just gonna ask if joseph died and i didn't know it i mean obviously he dies at some point but the Bible doesn't say when he died, um, but by the time Jesus is grown, it doesn't mention Joseph at all. Mary's there plenty, yeah, and and Joseph isn't. So, Joseph, the last time we see Joseph is when Jesus is about thirteen in the temple, um, twelve, twelve in the temple, and it's it's like the only story between his birth and basically his baptism, you yes. know that uh that that we get of his you know that's that's a 30 year span of time and uh joseph's there and then he's he's never mentioned anywhere else so you know so we don't know well cody there's a uh, screenplay for you to write then (laughs) i've thought about that that. would be cool (laughs) i mean like some of the superman lore you know superman just kind of feels like jesus in, in some ways you know this uh this Godlike being brought to earth, raised by simple farming folk, you know, and not, not the, you know, yeah, it's, it, there's some of that. And uh, in a number of the Superman stories, what really spurs Clark Kent to go and embrace his destiny was the death of his earthly dad, you know, uh, Jonathan Kent. And uh, we've seen that in, you know, some of the movies and, and TV shows and stuff like that. And so it, Again, that this is wildly between the lines, but and it's super speculative. But you, know, I wonder if, um, if uh, when when Joseph passes, which we believe happened, you know, between some point in his ministry, if that was a moment of like, okay, you know, I'm gonna start moving toward, you know, toward that. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, too, if, you know, assuming that uh, Joseph died when Jesus was in his late teens, again, very speculative mm-hmm. in between the lines, he would be in charge of raising his brothers and sisters mm. as the oldest son. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, so in, in a very real way, Jesus was a parent to his younger siblings. Mm-hmm. Where he started his public ministry. Well, um, 
Uh, I just kind of wanted to end on the note of, do you guys have situations that you're struggling in or suffering in that you can kind of wrap your perspective around to be more like, what is God working through Hmm. in this? And what is he saying to me in this situation? What is God doing with this misfortune that I have to live with? Um, We have it pretty good in America, but, you know, we still suffer at times and there's never going to be a person who doesn't suffer in some way or capacity. So when that happens, are we going to let our wounds become sacred and give that to God instead of dwelling on anger or frustration or sadness? Are we going to give that to him and let him do something and make something out of it? So, yeah, I, I didn't have a super long thing today. Um, so if you guys have any answers for that, you're welcome to share or just think about it on your own. Well, I'm sure this is um, com- more than likely communally true, but and it, again, it kind of seems trivial in the aspect of uh, just our culture and how much better off than we are most uh, most most other countries around the world. But um, well, COVID and all that that has brought to all of us and the changes in our lives and things like that. Um, it's still something that weighs like, and now that we're getting deeper into a a potential lockdown and things, you know, getting stricter yet again, it's um, definitely somewhere where um, I've had to, you know, give, give my trust to Lord's leading in this and, and just changes in our country, things like that too. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Um, knowing that like <laughs> playgrounds are getting shut down again and uh, people are going to have to stay inside more in the next couple of weeks, um, not knowing if hospitals are going to get overwhelmed, uh, seeing that some are, what, you know, constantly going to God and asking him like, okay, what am I learning in this moment? What are you saying to me in this moment? That can give us the energy to keep going and to get through knowing that God can do amazing things and redeem things despite how dire they might look. God does that. Like uh, Phil said with Paul, I mean, Paul is like writing from prison and he talks about being joyful (laughs) and like fruit of the spirit. And how else can you have that except by knowing and trying, trusting that God is leading you through something for the greater good, or maybe even just the great thing about God is that he often teaches things on a wide scale, but also personally to you in the same situation. That's at least that's what I've found in my lifetime is knowing that like finding that, Hey, I have this amazing thought that I feel like God told me and it applies to maybe our whole church but at the same time, it's it applies to me personally in my own personal life as well on a personal level. God doesn't ignore the details, and he's always in that with us. 
So just looking out for those opportunities and knowing that we can trust him and we can trust him to redeem regardless of if it's a situation we put ourselves in or if it's a situation we just happen to be stuck in. Almighty God, thank you that you give redemption, that you are generous and you can rewrite our stories and you can take us in directions we never thought possible. And Lord, it's amazing when we, instead of tightening our fists on things, focusing on problems and open our hands and say, how can we make these wounds sacred? How are you going to use this, this time, these moments of burden or suffering, these troubles and trials and not making them trivial. They're still legit. They're still heavy. And I'm not trying to make them seem trivial or trite. And just you are bigger than them. Any problem we could come up with, any problem that we can put before you, any list of problems, even in their sum total, you are just so much bigger. So Lord, singing of songs of just how big you are and the creation that you hold in the palm of your hand, every star in the sky, every grain of sand, every quark, and every atom. I mean, all of it does not go unnoticed by you. So Lord, I pray in this moment, all of us can just sit here before your throne, celebrate the birth of our Savior, that Jesus has come, has done what no human being has ever been able to do, and is still actively working a great, big story of redemption for all of us, for all of humanity, for all of the world. And that we still wait the full coming of your kingdom. So Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Please bless everybody in our community. You know the trials and the hurts. Give them peace. Give them rest. Give them that redemption that you give, that you seem to love to give, that you are just so talented at doing. That even the most lowly, the most humble, those that people write off as insignificant, maybe worthless, for mistakes or perceived mistakes, that you have such value in, and you do not give up on them. And you are the son, the, the father of the prodigal son for each and every one of us. And whenever we go astray, whenever we make bad decisions, whenever we find ourselves in tight spots and we turn our hearts to you, you run to us with open arms. Thank you, daddy. I love you. We love you. We worship you. We give it all to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Community Podcast. Subscribe to us and follow us on Facebook to stay up to date on upcoming events such as online church gatherings and Bible studies. We try to shed the layers of traditions 
that actually taint the image of who Jesus really is. And we believe that the true gospel is that Jesus is the true king, and his kingdom is here and available to all. We'd love for you to be a part of his movement in renewing all things for the expanse of his kingdom. You can email us at info at kairoscommunity.org, download our app, or visit our website, kairoscommunity.org. Catch you next time.